another episode of the Fly and the Wall Show. Man, I'm so happy you made it this far. I would never let fear hold me back ever again. And I got a special guest. This is about to be an amazing conversation. I got the legendary power move maker and shaker. This is about to be an amazing conversation, man. I swear I hear it all like a fly on the wall. But truly, I'm not small. I'm the flyest of all. And this a meeting ground for the blessing profound. The hottest talk show around. You better turn up your sound. Because if you want to be great, you got to learn from the greats. Analyze what they say and avoid their mistakes. If you got what it takes, just give me a call. I'm here to hear it all. It's the Fly on the Wall show. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing today? It's your boy, J.I. Lee. And it's a special episode of the Fly on the Wall show. You know, normally... You know, I plan out who I'm going to speak to and everything. But, you know, this young man, he reached out to me, you know, by DM, you know, after my conversation with Evan Carmichael. And he was telling me a little bit about his story. And I was very intrigued. So I'm going to tap in with him, man. I definitely want to tap in with him. Going to Ultra Mile. Powerful story. I think you guys are going to like the value that he brings. So just waiting for him to send the request. Here we go. This should be interesting. It should be fun. I don't normally do this. We're supposed to get on the Zoom call. I was like, you know what? Let's let's go live. Let's you know let's have a conversation. Boom. Hey man, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed, man. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Yeah, you can hear me all good. You're perfect, man. You're looking sharp right now, man. I do my best. I try to look sharp every day. Every every minute, it's an opportunity. Absolutely, man. You're looking amazing, man. And so, you know, I was just telling the people a little bit about, you know, we're supposed to get on a regular call, but I know Evan, yeah. you know, Evan challenged me, you know, just to go live and have some more conversations. So I said, I said, why not? Why not, man? And I know you were telling me a little bit about yourself, and I was very intrigued. You have a very interesting mission, man. So for the people who don't know you yet, tell them what it is, who you are, and what it is that you do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no problem. Well, first of all, I appreciate connecting with you. Absolutely. Uh, I've looked at your own stuff, and it's no accident or coincidence that people like us end up connecting with each other because maybe different roads leading to Rome, but there's a similar mindset that's driving the 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 mission, you could say. So, it's, um, yeah, I appreciate watching your work and since I've come across you as well. Thank you, man. But. Um, for the people who don't know me, um, I have a website, kind of a web development and PR company. I do podcasting and things like that, but um, I'm an endurance athlete as well. So I have a background in strongman, uh, ultra running, and I'm getting ready now in March, the end of March, all things going well with world climate and, <laughs> and unpredictable variables. I'm going to attempt to break Wim Hof, the Iceman's record for the longest time submerged in ice with full body contact. So that's my that's my most recent venture that's coming up on the cards. So, so uh, yeah. that's amazing. And I know a lot of people may not know, you know, who Mr. Hoff is, man. And so for his, sure. can you explain a little bit about, about what his record is and what it is exactly yeah. what you plan on doing? Yeah, yeah. That's, that, yeah, completely. One, I just want to say that's not some regular stuff, brother. So that's amazing. I commend you. Nah. It's gonna be one second. The camera just. Let's see if it's my. Endurance athletes 
who has 26 different world records for exposing himself to cold temperatures in uh, without any thermal clothing. So uh, he's come Mount Everest in just a pair of shorts. He has run uh, a marathon in the snow in his bare feet. He's swum under the ice water for the longest distance on one breath. And then this record is the longest time where you're submerged in a container of ice with full body contact exposure. And that record currently stands at two hours and I think it's like two, two hours, 25 minutes is what the record stands at. So what temperature normally is that water, if you know? The water or the, or the ice? They're, they're two different records. Well, so Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. so in this case with the ice, it'll be kind of between minus two to zero degrees is what they'll be at, you know, because it'll be outside in the box. There's a bit of a fluctuation, but that's the temperature. So you plan so, you on know. being submerged in that minus two degrees for over two hours. That's that's the goal. Yeah, my aim is two and a half hours. So it'll just be something to keep me occupied for, you know, an afternoon. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So, I was just going to say, and and then, you know, the interesting thing, and it's why I like pursuing just things like this, is you never know what's at the other side of a conversation or who you're going to meet. So, this started with me doing another event. I ran 900 miles um, just over a year ago where I ran consecutive ultra marathon 100 mile ultra marathons and i finished with a 200 mile yes and that took me to australia and that's where i met vim's brother marcel hoff and that's how this next challenge was born so it's kind of one of those things where you know talk about getting comfortable being uncomfortable by pushing the envelope pushing the limits of both the mind and the body it has opened an enormous amount of doors for me in the last two years so that's kind of what's behind it, you know, because some people, they think, oh, it's rooted in fame or glory or the pursuit of the ego. Not that that's been said to me, but, you know, even in the past, I would have thought that when I didn't know what the uh, mindset of a high performance person was or world class athletes. And then when I when I kind of recalibrated my life and I chose to re-engage in it in a different way, I understood the mindset. You know, when you decide to do these types of things. And fail you will along the way. I mean, I've got more holes in me than Swiss cheese, and I have failed so many things. Wow. You know, there are many things. If I had them to do over again, I would do them differently. But Absolutely. it was in the pursuit of doing those things that has led me to connecting with amazing people, and you know, yourself included. Now, you know, Absolutely. two strangers and the other end of the world, and two completely different things, and then we're able to come together by way of a conversation because we're pursuing a greatness that's outside of ourselves. Absolutely. Where are you located, by the way, for the people that don't know? Right now, I am located in Ireland. Ireland. Wow. What time is it over there? It is currently 23.14. Wow. Ireland. Yeah. I can't. Wow. I can't even imagine, man. And that's, that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, social media, that you're able to connect with people all over the world and talk about different things, you know, that connects you. Like, you know, the idea of that. The mindset is what, you know, entrepreneurship is similar, you know, similar belief system is that what bring us together. Yeah, yeah, well, it is. I mean, for all the terribleness that can be rooted in social media, right? Uh, there's a lot of good to be used out of it. And something that I try and live by is the idea of using it as a tool 
uh, as opposed to consuming it, you know, be a producer of it. And I think that's a healthy mindset to have around it because at least that way you're not caught up in the hustle and bustle of it and the things that can be unhealthy about it, but you can produce things to add value to the world or connect with someone elsewhere. You never know, you know, when things return to some level of travel, travel normality, right. uh, you know, two people and suddenly get together and what you start doing in the offline capacity then is also amazing. So you just, it's one of these fantastic things. It's a raging, changing time at the moment, but I'm rolling with it. I'm rolling with it. Absolutely, man. And so you're this high performance athlete. What got you started into doing that? Like, were you always, you know, doing athletics as a, as a younger child? Is it something that you started mm. recently? Mm, I, that's a bit of a funny question. I, I actually had a talk with a friend of mine last night that I haven't had a really good chat with in, in a long time. And we were actually discussing this because, uh, yeah, as a kid, I was not the most popular, not the most athletic, not, not the most anything. Yes, uh, but I think it's exactly that is what put me to where I am. So as a kid, not really. I got into... I got into strength sports in my early teens. So I was a, I was a blacksmith by trade. Uh -huh. So, you know, putting the shoes on horses and, 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 okay. and, and making shoes and working with metal. And we had a, we had a farm and a riding stables. So that kind of, I had a level of natural strength from that. And uh, when I went to the gym for the first time, I was deadlifting 200 kilos without ever having Ooh. deadlifted in my Ooh. life. So Actually strong. that, yeah, that was something it was like, okay, this is something I had a thing for. So I got into strength sports and I competed in the national strongman competitions for about a decade. So I did that uh, and I did Highland Games and I went to the European Highland Games in 2011, which is all the caber tossing and the stone throwing. So that was where I was rooted, powerlifting strongman. And I was, uh, just to give you some stats, to give you a comparison. So I'm about five six, and I was coming in at my heaviest at about two hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, uh, which is big for that size frame. Right. Uh, and then I just decided I was like, meh. Eh, I think I'm done with this. And my son was born. And I said, ah, I'm gonna go do something else for a while. And uh, there was some transitions occurred. Some life happened, and some separating happened and some other mad stuff happened. <laughs> and then happened, I just, right? yeah, life happened. And then I decided to, uh, yeah, I just woke up one day and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go do something different. And I opened up my phone and I saw a podcast, uh, Brian Rose from London Real, uh, interviewing David Goggins. And I was like, oh, who's this guy? And I kind of listened to the podcast and David was kind of known for having run uh, eight consecutive 100 mile ultra marathons, and I just got it in my head. I was like, "Oh, cool! I'll do nine, and I'll just go do it," which was ridiculously underprepared for for this. I decided it in April, and I started it in September. I am telling you now, I was not prepared, but you know, I got it done, and I, I actually I, I did. What was this? Seven 100 milers, and then I did a 200 miler on number eight. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of my introduction to running. Before that, my idea of cardio was 20 minutes on a elliptical trainer on a Sunday or something small like that. So it was a really big shock to the system, but it was cool. And it set me on a completely different trajectory where between then and now, 
I connected with Brian and I connected with David Goggins and I've connected with all these people. So it's just, again, it's not about the thing itself, but it's about the mindset of having confidence to take action, you know, fail, succeed, but it's better than sitting on your hands and not having something to aim for, you know? Absolutely, man. And congratulations to you. Uh, you said something very important. It's like you had no idea, you were not prepared. You had no idea like what you were getting yourself into, right? You know, no. which is very important. Like how like, it's very important because sometimes you could prepare, you could plan, and then you never start. You talk yourself out of actually doing the thing. How important is it to you that you think it is for someone just to try and just to just just do it, no matter what? Oh, go for it. like, like that is the thing to do. I think ninety-five percent of people waste their time not getting started. You know, procrastinating, paralysis by analysis. Oh, I, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, someday I will. Uh, while in the meantime, talking about all these used-to-be stories. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, that, 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 that high school throw I did in the football game, you know, that was great. It's like, you know, used-to-be's don't make any honey, and thinking about what you're going to do isn't going to get it done. So for me, just doing it, just taking action and doing it, because I'm telling you now, and anybody listening, you're going to get shit, you're going to get ridiculed you're going to like in one way when i've made those decisions they've been like the hardest things of my life because it you know being unprepared opens up doors then for things but i wouldn't change any of us you know and anybody that i've met that i would consider reasonably successful and success by the way i'm not measuring just on finances or Absolutely. successful ergo I know this person is not living a lie, you know, that they can look me honestly in the eye and whether they're meditating uh, in a cave in India, and I've met those people, or in the Shanglong province of Shaolin Temple, to Dan Pena, the trillion dollar man, I've met all these walks of life, and I know that these people are happy in their individual categories because they have found what makes them tick. As Nietzsche said it best, if you find your why, you'll endure almost anyhow. And but most other people, they don't do that, man. They, they get comfortable and they get into routines and they get into ruts and they convince themselves they're happy. And <laughs> and the ego kicks in. But... It's just sadly the way that it is. And, and I think it's the greatest tragedy because it takes such little encouragement for people to make those big changes in life. Like it takes just the smallest of things, like a shit going off course yeah. by one degree. And then suddenly, you know, into that journey, it's at a different destination. And I, it, I really am sad when I, when I see people not realizing that, you know? So yeah, it's the most important thing. Get started. Get started. Making the conscious decision is one of the most important things you can do. The first, you know, the first, you know, way to be successful is just to try. It's to make an attempt. Like, you're never going to yeah. get anywhere just by standing still. You know what I mean? You got to stay. Whoa. Right? So, do you know how, how someone put it best to me? They said it's like a tortoise. You know, when's the tortoise most vulnerable? when his head and his limbs are sticking out of the shell, but that's when they can make the progress. When are they safe? When they're in the shell. But are they going anywhere? Nope. They ain't going nowhere. Wow. So that's that's an amazing that's an amazing um metaphor in that. One yeah. of the things I also know that you said is that you know you failed a lot. 
you know, you fail oh, yeah. a lot. So how important do you think it is to fail, you know, for success? I, it's the best learning tool and mechanism you'll ever have. Like, I know people, I know, I know it's not nice to fail, but if you sit back and you think about this, and, I, and I've thought about this a lot, most people's fear of failure comes from the fear of being judged. Yes. Now, it, and, but there's something intrinsic in the reality of your judgment and your values being there. So, so let me, I'll try and keep this simple, but bear with me for a second. Absolutely. We all act out something that uh, we understand as a proposition of a value hierarchy. You've got natural internal mechanisms. You feel it. You know, you go to a movie and you watch it. You know kind of who the good guy and the bad guy is. You know, you know when you lie or you say or you do something you shouldn't. It feels wrong and you set yourself off solid ground. And you're like, no, I shouldn't be doing this. Right. You have to betray that same feeling when you don't pursue what you want to do. And if you think about why, which is the judgment of other people, well, look, uh, as the Brits say, I hate to tell you, but 98% of the situations you end up in are what I call, um, you know, types of either parasitic or symbiotic relationships. Mm. Ergo, we externalize so many things into circumstances or people to fulfill something that's outside of us, mm. that the fear of losing us we by default don't pursue what we really want in order to stay safe holding on to those mechanisms and those other things. That's fine, but then you can't move towards a goal because you have to remove responsibility and accountability out of your life to keep your fragile ego protected right. from not facing the reality that these might not be the decisions that are serving your long-term goals the best. And what you pay is a little bit of cynicism and nihilism and you get the bitch and complain about it and get someone's sympathy for, I don't know, whatever went wrong. And that's a bit of a short-term payoff because you get the sympathy vote. But you're not working out long-term. So when you think about it, to get where you want to go, you need to first of all know that there's no man on a white horse ever coming to save you. Oh, you God. have to be able to do it yourself. Everything. Um, whether it's separating, whether it's the loss of someone, your mother's sick, your children, God forbid, burying your friends, you need to be able to carry yourself through this. Once you can do that, you can then be there for other people and choose who that's going to be. And if those are not the kind of people who would in turn support and appreciate a man or a woman of that value acting that proposition out, they're equally not the people you should be holding yourself back for because... You know, there's no value in it. Then that relationship is only there and it's only there for as long as they get something out of you. So then that relationship has a lifespan that's equally not safe and secure because once you can't give that, it's gone. So I hope I've highlighted how important it is to be aware that you must pursue what you want and how to rationalize the fear of being judged by the others by weighing up, well, who are these other people and how do they fit into my life? You might not like the answer to when you start asking that question, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. Absolutely. Man, you said a mouthful, man. And, you know, I have a question for you, right? Have sure. you ever had a moment where you felt like, you know, 
a relationship that you were hanging on to was being a little, you know, you have to you have to let go of that relationship to move forward. Have you ever had those moments? Uh, <laughs> I think I'm having a lot of those now. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, so relationships are something I didn't uh, maintain very well. I've been very open about this on other on interviews and my social media, so I've got no issues talking about it. I keep some things private just for them and their thing. So I have an ex-wife and I have my 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 son's mother now. Mm. And if I was to go back to say my ex-wife, I think that woman should be ordained a saint. Full disclosure up front. Um but basically yeah. You, you know You're different people at different phases in your life. And only by experiencing life and going through different failures do you, yeah, well, forge your character and become who you're set out to become. In the experience of, say, my, my, my former marriage, uh, we were together since we were young. Um, true personal circumstances of a sensitive nature. I always had this thing where I felt like I had to take care of her. Um, so that was, and that's kind of like playing into certain typical predispositions of the female male yeah. orientation systems. Yeah. Um, and what that did is that caused her to be reliant on me. Well, I'm only looking back to retrospect, and this is my experience. Right. That would have her reliant on me. That made me fulfill things um, and take on an enormous amount. So when it came to probably being mature enough to step out of the relationship and understand that it wasn't working, we were too codependent on each other oh. and we had a series of mechanisms wrapped up in each other that just didn't serve the outcome that was best for us. But going back to what we said earlier about, well, you know, what's your plan for the future? You know, fear of failure. What are you aiming at? You know, I would like to say two things. One, we didn't have our aims set out very well to know Never mind how we were doing something, but why we were doing it, you know? And the second thing is, this isn't removing responsibility, but it is another notable factor. Uh, we didn't have the best of example setting and, and, and have the best of leadership. You know, our parents were separated. Most of our siblings had tumultuous relationships. So we didn't have a blueprint to kind of go, okay, this is what you should do. I think this is, for a lot of people, a lot of people this resonates with. Not just us, it's a generational thing because there's been a breakdown for another set of reasons that I could go into, but there's been a breakdown in the structure of why you're in a relationship, what that's meant to mean, and then how you dial in those things so you can double up the cognitive power and work through those challenges. So that's a little bit to give you just an overview of that particular uh, version of my experience and, and I hope that gave you some context and answered the question. No, absolutely, man. That was that was amazing. That was amazing, man. That was amazing. Thank you, man. And if you have any questions for me, you could definitely feel free to ask as well. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um so what kind of got you into the online sphere? Oh man, what got me into the online sphere? So Yeah. Well for me, well, you know, I've always been like, you know, an entrepreneur minded type of individual. <laughs> You know, and then, you know, I, I was in college and everything like that. And, 
social media was very popular. So I was throwing parties. I was, you know, doing these different events. And so one of the things that we utilized was like social media. We utilized mm. the iPhone. And so, you know, and also, you know, growing up, you know, I was always on like MySpace and Twitter and these different social media platforms. So when I started becoming like more entrepreneur minded, I was like, hmm, I could reach more people online. And so that's where I really started focusing on, you know, the different online, you know, avenues such as social media, such as Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, all these different applications that you can use on your phone as well. So I, gotcha. I was like, man, I could reach way more people than if I was just, you know, doing it locally. And I realized the world is so much bigger than just next door, you know, than just who's across the street. I was like, it's too much. It's too many people out there. More people, you know, you can do way more if more people knew who you were. And so that's what I started trying to tap into the, the power of the internet and social media. Yeah. No, I, I get it. Do you remember Bebo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I did this very weird backwards thing. I went, I was on social media in the early days. So when you're on about MSN Messenger, MySpace, Bebo, oh, and yeah. then I just went, no, nah, I'm out of here. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't even, I had some businesses that were on social media over the years, but I didn't even hit social media until uh, April 2019. Oh, wow. So I was like, I, I, like, I shit you not. I, uh, I remember I, I bought a laptop. And it took me like two hours to figure out switching it on and setting it up, man. I was like a caveman, Neanderthal. So, like, uh, I was a fast learner. I was a fast learner. But um, it's incredible what a sphere, what a what a new sphere it is. And I think there's a, I did a bit of writing about this earlier in the week for a post I'll do next week on this bus. Yeah, it's a strange world, the online sphere, in the sense of it, can, it has a lot of great things and a lot of positivity. I just also think it's going to be interesting to see in over the next decade or two what the psychological phenomenon of it is. You know, Twitter is so different to Instagram, oh, so different to yeah. Facebook. You can get very contentious, reacting, crazy shit go wild out of control, very well on any social media platform, but on Twitter quite quickly. Then you can get on Facebook and there are these huge, long, first rambling essays of people putting out something that's, you know, in response to something important in the world. And and it's like, whoa, where did that come from? Or, or you know, you could wake up one day, hypothetically, and have like 600 notifications on Facebook of 20 years of your life dragged out and like oh, people man. going, F that guy. And you're like, whoa. And it's kind of weird because you think socially, it's like, chances are, if I was like face to face with you, I probably wouldn't say, well, maybe I would. I'm a social hand grenade, but I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd have to really not like you. But no, you know, you, you, there's just things. It's weird. It's like, you know, you see certain things online and you're like, but I could nearly bet you nine times out of 10, that wouldn't happen face to face. Oh, wow. Or the body language or the tonality is missing. So I think as great as it is, and it is, it can be used for a lot of good. When there's a removal of, again, accountability for the actions or the things said, because you can't, you know, what can you do? Report something. Ooh, yeah, yeah. We can report this, you know? So I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see in a few years. Absolutely, man. You know, social media could be a very powerful tool. Like you said, it could be used for good and it can use for, it could be used for bad. It could be very destructive, right? There was a, um, there was a, a documentary, I believe, 
that was on Netflix actually talking about like I forgot the name of it, but it was pretty much talking about the negative effects. Have you watched it? Yeah, no, I'm just trying to remember the name because it's been referenced to me and I've seen clips out of it. Yeah, I got I got to get when I get the name, I have to remember my girlfriend. We actually watched it together. I sent it to you, but it was just pretty much talking about the different effects that it had on like the younger crowd, you know, the different generations and like how, mm. you know, suicide rates have gone up and depression and how people have become addicted to their phones and social media and like you said something very important how people they get the balls to really say these different things that they probably wouldn't say face to, in a face-to-face -face interaction because there's no like you said there's no accountability there's nothing that's really going to happen like somebody's going to report you but there's nothing that's going to go like people will literally say some of the most abusive things to other people right and there's another like on the other side people say like man, why don't you just log off? You know, why don't you just turn off your phone or why you don't do, do these things? But it's become such an addiction that people just, they're just stuck. <laughs> but it's also, it's also, um, I think it tells a lot. I'm trying to formulate this in the most mitigating manner that I'm not too offensive. It's, um, it was called the social dilemma. That's what it's called. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't understand, like, people, I empathize, and I fully don't take away from it. But when I hear things about someone committing suicide because of online bullying, I can't fathom it. If I look and I look at the world, and I think, first of all, that somebody takes that to heart so badly is awful. And it's awful probably starting at ground zero with the parenting, most likely, of course. you know. Of course. And number two, for whoever the hell it is, they have no accountability for their actions and what they said and why they said it. But, you know, if you, like, I'm a producer of social media, and I'm sure you've looked at my page. A lot of posts go out, but that's all scheduled. It's done. It's planned. It's like there's a world outside of it. It's a communication Absolutely. tool. I'm trying to sling mud at a wall and add value and hope some sticks in a positive way run my business off it, that kind of stuff. That's what it's there for. Cool. But it's like, it, it's kind of strange. It's like people, um, oh, I never knew they were married. Oh, how come? I never saw it on social media. What? Because it's not on social media. It's not true. Right. Like maybe they just don't like to put that private part. It's like, and that, I can't get it. There's some people, and when that thing bings in their pocket and what they read, it's, the, it's like that's the only tether to the world they have. I've woken up in the morning. I go do my routine, my run, whatever, and I, and I schedule my day. And now I'm looking and I'm checking. And I see, like, I might see a negative comment. And maybe this is my ego. First thing I, I kind of la laugh at, it's like, my God, that's 2 o'clock in the morning and someone's on my page at 2 in the morning. <laughs> they're right on it. That's so, amazing. No. And I, and I, no, no, no. And I'm kind of joking, but I can remember when this all, when that first started happening, Brian Rose, he, he's running for mayor of London now. Oh he said, God. look, Keelan, don't worry. This is part of the process. He just had Ice T on his show. And Ice T did a song 20 years ago, Cop Killer, and he got vilified for it. You know, he had everybody on him Bush, Temper Gore, the White House. I remember seeing him in Marcinia Hall, Oprah. This was one man with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Look at him now. He's like 15 years on Law and Order. Everybody likes it. You know, that's Absolutely. the nature of it. So I remember him explaining that to me. I actually put a post out on my page tonight with that clip of Brian talking to me about that. 
And I kind of put it up a year later with the retrospective, huh, motherfucker was right. You know? <laughs> and I look at all the doors it opened. And, you know, Grant Cardone had just said it. He said this thing. He didn't say it to me, and I said it to Brian. He was like, um, criticism is a sign of success. Yes. And I remember kind of thinking, yeah, easy to say. But it's, it's true because the kind of people that are doing it I genuinely understand why it's that way and, and what nature is behind it. And, you know, you do. You learn to let go of it and just understand that it's unfortunate. But then the kind of people that understand that with you are the likes of you, me, the other people we connect with, Evan, uh, Grant, whoever, you know, the people that we're trying to aspire to and be and connect with the network. And when they see you handling it in a good way, in a positive context, that's when those people, uh, they'll kind of reach down that ladder a bit and go, okay, here's an opportunity. No, you know, they don't give you anything on a silver platter, Absolutely. but they give you an opportunity. And then whatever you make of it can bring you to the next thing. So... Yeah, man, it's an interesting time, and we'll see how that whole thing works out. But in the meantime, we just got to keep doing what we do and uh, stay motivated, as they say. Absolutely, 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 man. But another question that I'm dying to ask. I'm sorry, where are you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, and what's your kind of goal out of the whole social media sphere? Okay, okay, yeah, of course. I'll definitely answer that question. So, man, my goal, man, my goal ultimately is to inspire the world. So my goal is to save millions of people because – I want, I'm aiming big, you know what I'm saying? I, a long time ago, I made, I made it clear that I'm never going to play it small. You know, you can inspire one person, two people, three people, a thousand people, but eventually I want to be able to inspire millions of people around the world, you know, in Ireland, all over the world, you know, to, think, yeah. to use their God-given gifts that they can create freely. You know, I feel like we all were given, a, you know, a set of gifts, unique gifts that, you know, we each have that, you know, over time you develop. You know, and I want to be able to inspire people to use those different gifts that they can create. You know, the ultimate, you know, tool that you can do is to think. You know, I believe it was Henry Ford that said, you know, one of the hardest jobs for people to do is to think. You know, I want people to know that they can think and they can create freely without, you know, worrying about what other people have to say about it. You know, criticism, you know, from judgment from other people, from family, from friends, from the world. Just to, you know, use those gifts and think and just be able to create whatever it is, as art, you know, music. You know, whether it's fashion, food, business, whatever it is, but to do it freely and do it because you want to do it, man. So that's the ultimate goal. And to just, you know, awesome. give food for thought, you know, food for thought. I want everything that comes in my mouth to be nourishment, you know, substance to the mind, the body, and the soul. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. Like, again, no surprise to me that that's what you say. The answer is, you know, that's definitely the subtone to what I do in my thing. I, I say, Going the ultra mile kind of speaks for itself. And then, yeah. you know, helping conquer the impossible in business and in life, you know, right by people's side. That was exactly the type of ideology and theology that I had behind it. It was, okay, you know, I've got the set of business skills and do the PR and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's one thing in how I want to help people, especially startup entrepreneurs. But then I've got this thing where I like doing the endurance stuff. Yeah, kind of like walking the walk and not just talking okay. it. And you're and a then beast, man. Well, it's uh, they say there's a there's a fine line between brave and foolish, and uh, <laughs> I teeter on the edge. But uh, yeah, but it's the same ethos. And even though we do different things, that's why we're able to connect and have a conversation like this. Oh man, absolutely, man, absolutely, man. But well, one question that I do, I'm kind of curious, man. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. You know, you're this performance 
you know, this, this, you're a beast. I want to say you're a beast because it's not normal what you do. Like, you're, you're trying to break, you're go, not trying, you're going to break a world record set by David Goggins, and he's unhuman, right? Like, what's the preparation behind that? Like, mentally and physically, as well as emotionally. I can, I can, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a lot of emotions that go into something like that. Um, okay, so the first thing is the, the, the record that I'm going for is Vim Hoffs. So, David. Yeah, for the ice. So David inspired me to do the 900 mile run, yes. which was not officiated as a record. It was yeah. part of my not being prepared. Uh, we and David's isn't even a record either. It's just a noted thing that he did. Yes, yes, yes. So just to clarify before there's misinterpretation. No, of course, of course. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. No, no. Um. W uh, so there. So first of all, there is physical preparation. I swim every day, or at least every day, most days I can, in the ocean here, which is quite a low temperature at the moment. It's about two degrees. Um, so that's one preparation. I, I should be in Australia. That's where I was situated up until August, uh, where I had um, freezers that I could maintain um, ice temperatures and train in regularly, but I don't have that at the moment. But I'm still feeling confident because the temperature has plummeted here quite a bit, and I'm comfortable with the temperature. So there's the cold exposure is one element. Then doing a set of breathing techniques to help fully oxygenate everything and have basically blood circulation running in such a way that you can combat cold, frostbite, etc. There's a whole science behind it, and I won't get into that now because I bore everybody, but it's there <laughs> if you Google or YouTube, Wim Hof, breathing techniques you'll see all that he's gone through a lot of studies in Eindhoven uh, inside the clinics there and they've measured all his neurological responses and how he's able to do what he does so there's the breathing there's the training to the cold exposure and then like I've learned most of the time in my life it's the mindset you know if you yeah, I'm extrapolating from uh, I think Rudyard Kipling's poem if but somewhere in it is you know you know, the man who will win is the one who thinks he can. It's essentially, essentially, circumstance dependent down to that, you know. I mean, you have so much more left in you physically once you've got your mind calibrated and committed to doing something, whatever that something is. And I think once you've tapped into that a few times in your life, you know it's there. doesn't make going through it any easier or more pleasant, but you know it's there, so you're able to go, okay. Right, beast mode on, get this done, you know, reach in the cookie jar, as Goggins likes to say, you know, pull that thing out of the bag, whatever you need, get through it. And for me, because you mentioned emotions, yeah, there's a direct correlation to being able to undergo physical shit <laughs> and using that as like a way to forge and craft the mind to understand suffering is okay yes whatever i'm going through now mentally physically emotionally it's probably a load of bollocks and i'd rather not be going through this and i can think of a thousand things that would be more pleasant but i don't have a choice and that's the other thing about life is sometimes you just dealt a hand and that's it you know it's not a winning hand but you've got one strategy and that's to play it and and playing it can be painful and it can be a range of things 
but arguably you can't do anything else. So you might as well play the hand you have in the hope that it will get you to the next stage. So that's a bit of the mental context, the emotional rationalizing, the understanding, and then, of course, the physical training, which I touched on at the start. Wow. Are you, are you nervous at all? No. When you no. first when you first no. started this journey, were you were you nervous at all, or is this something that you just always been? Kind yeah, of like uh, I I I'd imagine when the event comes, which is currently scheduled for the end of March, I'd imagine I'd be nervous. I mean, you know, you because I'll be streaming it and you know people watching, and I'll have my positive fan club. I'll have my negative fan club. They'll both be there to watch. One will be like, I hope he does it. And the other will be like, I hope he freezes. They'll uh, be watching. But they'll still be watching, exactly. Uh, yeah, look, I don't want anybody to ever misconstrue that there's ever no such thing as fear or nerves. There are. And the day you don't have that is the day you've lost a sense of sharpness. Mm. Um, but it's not of the typical things. Like, I did another challenge recently. I did it in June. I did 2,000 sit-ups and 90 minutes worth of plank in 7 hours and 15 minutes. And I had no training done for that. This was a bit of a, this was actually just a bit of a joke between me and a friend. So he had a, he did this challenge where you were meant to do it for the month of June. And he just did this Facebook joke of, he tagged me in a post. Oh yeah, Keelan, you could probably do it in a day. And I was setting up this business and everything was busy. And I kind of said, yeah, sure. Let, yeah, let's go for it, you know. And we went in, we set it up, and we, I went through it. And it was awful. Like, you know, I was 150 sit-ups in, and I felt violently sick. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I done now, you know? But you're in the game at that stage. So it's like 1,850 sit-ups later, I finally finished. They weren't beautiful. I'm sure they didn't meet regulation, but yeah. the point is I saw it through. So I kind of tell you that to, to contextualize the answer, which is, yeah, there's nerves, and but it's more the overwhelming um, realization of, oh, man, I'm about to do this. And, and then it's kind of like that, oh, I'm about to do this because... You know, you say, oh, you're a beast, you're this, you're that, and other people say this, and it's like, well, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just me, who's the same fucking idiot that was doing stupid shit all his life. Not, not much of that has changed. Arguably, I probably still do all the stupid shit. I just kind of have found this other outlet. And then it's, yeah, it's like, so I'm just me, as far as I'm concerned, and I get the realization, oh, shit. Oh, I'm going to do it now. Okay. Yeah, okay. But then it's just like a few moments and then it's like switch, game on and go and then do it and then it's done. But it's more the, I wouldn't even call it nerves, but it's like the the challenge can become overwhelming in a sudden moment of realization where you're like, oh, you know? Yeah, I get it. I definitely get it, man. Well, I salute you either way for going the ultra mile, man. And, you know, for the people that want to, like, learn more about you and what it is that you do and stay connected with you with the challenges you have coming up at the end of next month, how can they, you know, connect with you? Yeah. So going the ultra mile is on all platforms, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, 
um, LinkedIn, and then there's going the ultramile.net as well. People want to, you know, subscribe there. And it's as simple as that, you know. Uh, everything goes out online. And if anybody wants to ever ask any questions or connect or hit me up, you know, as, as you know, I'm Absolutely. up for connecting with anybody and everybody, you know. Absolutely, man. I just want to thank you for reaching out to me, you know, so we can connect, man. I definitely enjoyed, you know, this conversation thus far, and I can't wait to continue to connect in the future. You know, I just want to thank you. For, I know this was a little improv. It was kind of unexpected. We were supposed to connect the other day, but everything happened yeah, yeah. for a reason. This conversation was definitely needed right on time, you know what I mean? And so I thank you you know, for connecting with me and, you know, being a special guest and having this enlightened conversation on the Fly in the Wall show, man. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> well, listen, no, I, I appreciate it too. And all jokes aside, you know, we have each other there on DM. Yeah. Let's stay in contact. Absolutely. Let's, you know, I don't know what else you've got going on. So if you brainstorm or there's something or you want to collaborate or anything that I've said that you got coming up that you're like, hey, we could put a spin on that or we could expose it here or do it there or, or likewise if you've got you know we just we absolutely. just brainstorm we, we have the entrepreneurial spirit absolutely man i'm definitely going to tap in with you man and somebody just said that um keelan is awesome and i agree tell that to a lot of other people <laughs> <laughs> no, i appreciate that thank you thank absolutely. you it was a and pleasure. listen uh, yeah it was a pleasure seriously and i I say this a lot. It's an honor and a pleasure when I talk to people like you. But just because I say it a lot, it doesn't make it any less true because it it really makes me happy when I have these kinds of talks, uh, connecting with like-minded people. Because as you know, the entrepreneurial world is, um, it can be lonely sometimes as it well. It's the lonely. grind and the hustle. Yeah. So, you know, people see the stuff on Instagram or Facebook and they're like, whoa, all the posts, the three-piece suit, the rolls. <laughs> The swag, the gear, oh my God, they must be. And it's like, oh man, you have no idea. I'm fasting right now because things are tough. You know, it's like people don't know what's behind it. And uh, so I appreciate you as well. No, absolutely, man. I appreciate that, man. I cannot wait to connect further. We're definitely going to keep the conversation going, brother. Thank you so much. Awesome. You enjoy your afternoon? Uh, it's it's 6.53 p.m. now, so it's about evening time now. Cool, and it's coming up midnight here. So I'm going to have a good night. You're going to have a good evening, and yes, we'll sir. stay in contact. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, brother. Peace. Take care. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. So that was, a, that was an amazing conversation, man. Um, as you can see, that's my brother, man, going to Ultra Mile. You guys tapped in with his platform, man. He's about to break so many records. He's doing so many amazing things. I made a mistake and said Grogan's home. But it's really on uh, Mr. Hoff's record, man. He's about to break that next month, man. He's going to be submerged in ice cold water for two and a half hours. Woo! Wow. Yeah, I, that's, yeah, I don't even want to know what that even feels like, man. But, you know, salute to him, man. You guys check him out at Going to Ultra Mile. He's an amazing guy, very humble, very knowledgeable and respectful. As you can see, he's over there in Ireland, man. He's doing some amazing things, man. So this was an improv conversation. You know, he wanted to connect with me, and I was like, hey, let's go live. And he was like, why not? You know what I'm saying? That's what we do. You got to have that mindset and do whatever it takes, whenever, you know what I'm saying? So I appreciate that. Appreciate connecting with him. This was a special episode of The Fly on the Wall. Until next time, peace.